0: Sal Berry, and Tim Parrish. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. It's always funny when you hit the record button, everything goes blurry, but your sound volume goes up. Really? Yeah.
1: Am I louder now?
0: Yeah, you're louder than you were. Every time you hit record, it always makes you louder.
1: Uh, As long as the people who are listening to the podcast can hear me and they can hear you, I I assume that's, uh, that's good enough, right?
0: I mean, as long as they hear us, to hear the high-pitched voice and Tommy Chong
1: <laughs> and Tommy Chong. I don't know which is which. Hello, and welcome to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Berry. Along with me is Tim Parrish. Tim was just uh, remiss, uh, re- remissing, reminiscing about a, uh, a review that we got on iTunes. We actually have two reviews on iTunes now. I, you know, it's funny because my goal for iTunes Puck Junk Podcast on iTunes is to actually be listed on the hockey podcast page. You can find us with the link. You can find us if you search for puck junk, but if you click on hockey and you see puck soup and you see spitting Chiclets and then you see all these other ones and then you don't see us on there. So that's kind of my goal, but also seeing us get a couple of like five star reviews was pretty cool. And one of them said, uh, one of the hosts sounds like Tommy Chong and, Tim was like, well, is that me or you? I'm like, well, that's got to be you. Because if they said one of them sounds like Elvin from Elvin and the Chipmunks, that would be me. So, yay?
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't know about Tommy Chong, but I'll, whatever that guy's smoking, I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, five stars is five stars. Yeah, that's so, right. Uh, so, yeah, we're back after a little bit of a hiatus because, well, one, the season is done has been done. I mean, there's been off-season moves and stuff like that. But really, this is kind of like the downtime for hockey, which is weird because you think October, November, this is when everybody's really excited about the season. Instead, uh, it's the off-season now. It's kind of weird because the summer was like playoffs and now the fall is like nothing, nothing going on. And then um, the other thing is, is I picked up another teaching job. I've been doing so much teaching on Zoom. It's just been crazy. I've been like, the pandemic has kept me home and kept me in front of my computer so much. So I just haven't had the time or the energy, but I finally found a little time and a little energy. So here we are.
0: Here we are. It's, it's a good time to start this because we'd be normal, normal occasion. We'd be right in the thick of uh, deciding whether or not our teams were, were good for this year or garbage for this year. Cause we're getting close to, American Thanksgiving that's usually that judging point but instead we have no hockey and we have questions in the air as to when if ever it's going to come back
1: you know just real quick I want to say when does the new hockey smell wear off because you know October it's like everything is new it's like that new hockey smell new season new players you know uh, new lineups new faces new rookies new cards like all, all this stuff coming out like october and even like the beginning of november you go "Oh, the season's only a month old and you're still like excited about it and i think like somewhere around like january or february you're just kind of like ah it's another game i think i can skip this one tonight you know what i mean like because i just got so much to do or whatever you know what i mean so when does it wear off for you like
0: i think i think you usually hit a little bit of a a slight lull around Christmas time just because you got so much stuff going on and people are usually busy and all that kind of stuff. But then it really picks up after the first of the year again, because that's usually when the bulk of the games get moved over to NBC Mm -hmm. in the States and they start showing, you know, three games a week, if not more, depending on what, what the matchups are. And prior to that, it's, you know, one game a week because obviously you're still going up against a day of the week that belongs to the nfl Mm -hmm. and so it's hard to hard to compete from a sports standpoint when the nfl rules the roost for their season so but uh yeah i I, that's kind of that that's probably how it does it for me but i don't really ever lose interest i guess
1: i don't lose interest i just sometimes i mean i'll never skip a blackhawks game if i can avoid it but i think there's just like a point where like the season doesn't feel new and exciting anymore it's kind of like just like i'm excited about it but it's not like oh it's opening night i have to see this game or oh they're gonna retire this guy's jersey and in the home opener oh they're gonna raise their stanley cup banner like all these things always happen at the beginning of the year and then yeah i think around christmas time yeah it's just people get busier and it's like to see you're you're into the season now. It's not a new season. It's the season. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but yeah, you're right. It does kind of get a shot in the arm after uh football wraps up and then they, you know, they have the game of the week on Sunday mornings, which I look forward to always, and I will miss Doc Emmerich as the host of that, as the the play-by-play for that, as I said last last show, I think. So uh yeah. So you wanna talk about the upcoming season what we know so far
0: well again a lot of this is up in the air still and everybody's got their own opinion and most of the nfl or nhl officials are kind of keeping quiet because they really don't know exactly what they're going to do because it's going to depend on officials and different states uh willingness to do certain things and put different you know, different measures in place. They've already ruled out doing a bubble again. And I don't think the players want that either. Um, and so that that's obviously not going to happen. But um, a lot of NHL sources that are out there, if you actually kind of follow what goes out on social media, have confirmed that they're looking at a January 1st start date. Um, and hopefully they'll be making an announcement soon for that. Um, I guess the NHL league board meets this Thursday, I want to say. So it's coming up here, but I mean, here's the interesting thing. If you, if you look at it and they're shooting for a January 1st, they have to make some announcement soon because teams are going to have to put all of their plans in place to start training camps, uh, to start, you know, the open conditioning and, and all of that kind of stuff. So they can't wait. That much longer if the January first date is truly where they're they're looking to go, um, you know. If it pushes into February, you're gonna see a, you're probably gonna see a much more shortened season than what they originally announced. So you have a January season. They look to end it in April, start the playoffs, and get the playoffs done in a relatively normal time, so that maybe they could start the 21-22 season. On time. So, but again, this is all going to de- be determined on how everything else plays out. So.
1: From um, what I understand, the NHL really needs to have the ticket revenue. They're not like the NFL who makes so much more money on TV revenue than the NHL does. So oh, and yeah. I don't and have that the was, exact that was, numbers.
0: Well, that was, that was evident by the Stanley Cup playoffs. It was, I mean, completely evident. And even Bettman came out and said it um, yesterday, today. I don't know. It was, one, it was recently, one of, in the last couple of days. He was talking about how TV ratings kind of plummeted from where they were. Um, and part of that is who wants to watch hockey, A, in the middle of a pandemic when everything else is going on. You still had other sports to compete with. And it's the middle of the summer. People don't want to be in the house. They want to go outside. And that's probably what we're, what we're having. And look, they rely on a lot of that casual fan kind of thing
2: mm-hmm. of
0: people coming in. And casual fans want to see something that's exciting. Watching guys play on the ice and actually hearing sticks hit the ice and players yelling at each other and pucks hitting the boards instead of fans screaming and pounding on the glass and all of that. That's not very exciting for a casual fan. And so, you know, maybe not having the fans in the crowd, you know, that electricity kind of turned people away. I don't know.
1: That wasn't a turnoff for me. You know what is actually funny? was We're not that... casual fans, though. You yeah, know, OK, we're... that's true. I, I don't think we're casual fans if we're doing a, a hockey podcast.
0: But... No, and that's what I'm saying. That That comment wasn't geared towards us. That comment was geared more towards, you know, the people that, oh, I watch hockey occasionally during the year and I'll watch the playoffs if it's on. Well, okay, okay, it's got to be something that's going to gauge, that's going to bring your interest in. And if there's not something there that that's going to entertain you, um, you're going to flip the channel and go, or go do something else. And like I said, that's that's not you, that's not me, that's probably not a lot of our listeners. But
1: I mean, I'm a, ca- a casual fan with other sports. I watched the NBA finals, and I wasn't like, you know what, this game needs more people in the stands. And I watched. Major, the uh, World Series, and I, which was really great. I mean, I, I make fun of baseball, but when it comes down to the playoffs, I mean, I, I usually enjoy all of the games. Um, and I wasn't like, you know, what this needs more fans in the stands. I was like, why are there fans in the stands? Don't they know there's a pandemic going on? You know, um, I wasn't like, gee, I wish there were some more people behind home plate or something. That none of that bothered me.
0: You it didn't say really I, wish, a- I wish the uh, crowd looked like a, uh, a much bigger Guess Who board?
1: Yeah. Did you see in Japan what they did? They had, like, robot fans in the stands. They were, like, these, like, just, like, kind of goofy-looking robots that would, like, wave their arms and stuff.
0: What they should do is just put all the uh, the incredible arm-flailing tube men in all the seats. Yeah. So, like it's a used car sale.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh, man, you know, um, there was, what was it? Was it, um, I'm trying to think. I want to say it was um, Youngblood. The cinematographer was telling me how some of the fans were mannequins, and they would pin the arms of the, uh, they'd like pin your jacket to like a jacket that a mannequin was wearing. So if I yeah. raised my arm, the other arm raised. It was Sudden Death that used the the cardboard cutout fans. And that was, uh that was a disaster when they filmed the helicopter scene, but uh, because it blew all the fans around the the fans, the cardboard people, uh, and it took them hours to reset up for the the shot. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just there's there's other ways of filling the seats. I I love the way the NHL just put those tarps over the seats with the graphics. I I just I it just look great. Like everything. Not to not to look back too hard at the previous season because we already did that, but. I thought everything the NHL did was great. I know they're not going to do another bubble league. I wouldn't mind if they did another bubble league. I enjoyed the bubble league, but I get it. I, I understand why they they can't do it. But I mean, you also understand that. I mean, as of uh, the day of this recording, the night before there were 100, or the day before there was 165,000 new COVID cases in one day. So I mean that's a lot. I mean, whether these people are sick or not very sick or only a little sick or or very sick or whatever, that's still a lot. I mean, there's still concern for this. So
0: yeah, it know. is. And you still have restrictions in a lot of the States. And, you know, one of the things that that's a big concern is the fact that there's uh, there's a border lockdown. So yeah. how are you going to get across the border when you have to travel? Well, They're talking about possibly putting all the Canadian teams into one division for this coming season. And they would just play each other because they can stay in Canada. And the American teams would all play the American teams. And eventually, by the end of the year, whoever makes it in, then they'd figure something out for the playoffs later on.
1: They'd have to have them quarantined for two weeks or something, yeah.
0: Probably. Probably. But I did find find the quote that, uh, while we were talking here, the quote that... um, the uh the, the good commissioner put out there and it's basically kind of what i was saying he said they did a bunch of research into why the tv ratings were soft and it's no surprise cuz avid fans acted like avid fans and they'll watch whenever they want to watch but the casual fans were kind of turned off by the fact that hockey's a winter sport and this is the summer and baseball's on and i want to go outside and you know so there was a lot of fall off because of that And, uh, he said, while we're in the middle of working on our return to play as well, which I hope to be able to put to bed soon, our goal is to get back to a normal schedule starting in the fall and being done before July on a normal, a more normal basis. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that, that's kind of the approach that their bunch of research took that, you know, the casual fan fall off is really where the, uh, where the ratings kind of. Kind of tanked a little bit, but I mean basketball ratings were down, baseball ratings were down, um, you know football ratings i I don't know I haven't read anything, you know obviously the games have gone on so far, except for a few,
2: mm-hmm. but
0: you know it is what it is, so hopefully we'll be seeing hockey in a in a short short amount of time,
1: yeah, let's hope so um coming up this month. I'm really excited about this is the sports card expo virtual edition 2.0, uh, which is also joining forces with the Chicago sports spectacular. So like, I like to say the show that I love to go to and the show that I always wanted to go to are teaming up for, um you know, for, for another virtual show. And I, I think this is exciting. I mean, Puck Junk is going to be there. We're going to probably do a podcast one of the two days, and I'll talk more about that in a minute. But basically, so the details about the show. You can uh, sign up to visit. It's all done virtually, so you're at your computer and then there will be a bunch of different booths. It's almost like you, you 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 jump out, you're in the main hall, you see like all the logos and names of the booths. You click on one you want to go into and then you're at that booth and then you can see what the dealer has for sale. They'll either have a camera pointing to like stuff on a table or they'll have a link to their eBay store or probably both. They might have a camera pointing to their table and a link to their eBay store. So. What does this mean? This means that the stuff that you're going to buy, you're going to buy probably through eBay or if they have a store, like a, 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 an online store through there, and they'd have to ship it to you. The good news about this, though, is that there's going to be a lot more American vendors this time around because it's you know also going to be backed by the Chicago Sports Spectacular. So you'll have vendors from Canada— you'll have vendors from the U S and then you'll and have
0: eBay opened up their store deal to U S vendors,
1: Right. Because when they had the virtual expo back in June, the uh, eBay, uh, the, the thing that eBay was doing was they're just basically saying, okay, you don't have an eBay store. We'll give you an eBay store for what? Like a trial period. Was that what it was? Something Whatever. Like a month yeah, or something. I think,
0: I think it was either 60 days or 90 days, uh, something like that.
1: Well, the idea was, is that you needed to facilitate selling your cards somehow, right?
0: Cause right. And if you didn't have that ability, they were giving you the option to, here, you can open up a store. We'll help you get it running. We'll help you add inventory to it and show you everything you need to do. And then in the time period of you starting it till the show, you can prep and get it all ready. And if you need support, we'll help you out. And they gave everybody like a, a different private email address. And they had certain people just working on that for them, and you know it was it was kind of nice, but it was only you're right, it was only open to the Canadian customers. So this time around, right. they've changed that. Right
1: now, and the other thing was um, there were over six thousand people who signed up to attend the virtual expo back in June. And from what I understand, a lot of them were from the United States, maybe even more so because they didn't actually have to travel to Canada to be a part of this expo. Like they would uh, normally. Right. I'll just give you some of the information about this. So anyways, the sport card expo. So the website
0: sport, all you card need expo, to know is I'll oh, yeah. be there. That's all. You oh need.
1: Yeah. Tim, Tim will be there.
0: Tommy we'll be Chong like... will be there. That's all you need to know.
1: Oh man. So, uh, www.sportcardexpo.com So the guests that they have announced Bobby Hull, Andre Dawson Mike Bossy, Jerry Cheevers, Bernie Perrant. So each of them are going to be doing a Q&A with the fans uh, like a, uh, a moderated Q&A uh, for an hour on each of those days And are uh, some are on Saturday, some are on Sunday and then they'll also be signing things. So you can't get your, if you have a certain thing you want to get signed, you can't get that signed, obviously. But what you can do is if you want them to sign a photo and personalize it or sign a puck and personalize it, and then they also have um, options for inscriptions and stuff like that, you can do that. So if you wanted to get a, uh, a Jerry Cheever's photo and you wanted, wanted it personalized, you could, you could buy one and then they would ship it to you. So this is the next best thing. I mean, I guess you're not waiting in a line and those are never fun. But at the same time, if you had like, your Bruins jersey from childhood that you wanted to get signed. Well, you can't do it this time. Um, but, and then the other thing is, is that then you can, another thing you can buy is you can buy uh, one-on-one chat sessions with each of these athletes. I don't know how much those cost. I don't know how long they last. I don't know if they're five minutes or 15 minutes. Sounds pretty cool though. I mean, if you are like a super fan of one of these players and you just want to talk to them, one on one. that sounds pretty cool. I think they give you a recording of it too. Um, so that sounds
0: yeah, I know the recording cool. the recording was supposed to be part of it. So if you do pay for the one of one um, one of one, the one on one one on one um, you will get the uh, you're supposed to get the copy of the the audio or video, probably both. Yeah, but the normal q and As like the ticket that you get, you can you can go to those and like sit, sit in the sit in the proverbial crowd, i.e., whatever chair you're sitting in in your house, um, and you know listen to the question and answer sessions and all that kind of stuff. So,
1: so I want to did, run down the different admission. packs. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't want, did you have something to add? No, I was
0: just gonna say, did they announce how much does the what the price was gonna be on those individual? Um,
1: they may have. I don't remember. I don't remember what? seeing it. I didn't I'll, see I'll it. I'll look my... while,
0: you're t- while you're talking about this. Let me yeah,
1: look. I looked I looked earlier today. I didn't see that. So what I want to do is I want to run down some of these admission packages there because they have uh, five different packages. They have the free admission, the deluxe package, the VIP package, the deluxe VIP package, and the collectibles package. So the free admission Uh, You get access both days, Saturday and Sunday. You get uh, access to all the guest Q&As. So that's like the group Q&A panels. You get access to auctions and to trade with others. Um, And then, of course, you know, the dealer rooms. I mean, that's the white rooms, virtual rooms, seeing all the different dealer booths, right? So that's the free admission. For $10, for $9.99 Canadian, you get all of the above plus a $10 eBay coupon. So spend $9.99, get a $10 coupon. Sounds pretty good. Uh, you get something called a Tops Collector Starter Pack. I don't know what that entails. Yeah, I saw
0: that. I didn't know what it was either.
1: It's part of it's part of the deluxe package. And then you can get you will get one raffle ticket. Uh Upper Deck Authenticated is giving a Gretzky Team Canada Canada acrylic stick blade autograph. So you'll get a raffle ticket for that. That's the deluxe package for ten dollars. For $24.99. We'll just say 25 For $25 Canadian, you get all of the above, plus you get, an, um, you get two raffle tickets instead of one raffle ticket. So you get an extra raffle ticket, and then you get two limited edition Expo-exclusive upper deck cards of number one pick Alexi Lafreniere and number two pick uh, Quinton Byfield, which to me, that sounds worth my $25 right there to get two upper deck hockey cards of the top two picks in the draft Uh, And, you know, and the raffle tickets are nice. I never really, you know what? I I won a good raffle prize once, so I'm happy for the rest of my life, you know, unless it's like a billion dollars or something, you know.
0: You're talking about that giant giant Gretzky card.
1: That giant Wayne Gretzky card. Did you see the picture of it I posted on Twitter the other day? It was from five years ago. But somebody asked, what are your two favorite hockey cards? So I had to answer. So I posted my two favorite hockey cards, which are the Pro Set Stanley Cup hologram, and then my oversized Wayne Gretzky card. And I think about like how fishermen have like a card or a card, a photo of them holding a giant fish. And I'm mm-hmm. like holding a giant hockey card. That's like signed by the great one. I mean, that is just so me.
0: That was, you know? that was your fit. That was your big fish.
1: That was my big catch, man. Uh, it wasn't the one that got away. It was, it was the, it's, it's, it's mounted and up on my wall for the world to see. There you um, go. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so uh, the, you get two raffle tickets instead of one. And then, Two hockey cards, like I said, of uh, one of uh, Alexi Lafreniere and of Quinton Byfield. That's the $25 package. The deluxe VIP package, which is $49.99 Canadian. You get all of the above, plus you get another raffle ticket. So that's three raffle tickets now. It's increasing your odds. And you get admission to the exclusive dealer preview night. So I'm assuming that's going to be on Friday. If the show is Saturday, Sunday... I'm assuming that the dealer night is going to be Friday. So you get access a day early to the show. And then the collectibles package for $79.99 Canadian, you get all of the above plus one mystery autographed 8x10 photo, minimum value of $49. Uh, You get a... uh, you get some basketball cards. They're saying you get Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson 1992 tops and upper deck cards, $20 value. So I don't know if that means you're getting uh, a tops Michael Jordan and an upper deck Michael Jordan and a tops Magic Johnson and an upper deck Michael Jordan, or if you're just getting one of each in either tops or upper deck. Uh, and then this one, which I thought you'd get a chuckle out of, one 1996 Collector's Edge Cowboy Belia. 25-card football card set, limited to 10,000 individually numbered sets, still sealed. So it's got, you know, all the big Cowboy stars of uh, 1996. So who would that be, like Emmitt Smith and Troy Aikman?
0: And Michael Irvin, yeah. Michael
1: Irvin, yeah. You're more of a football guy than I am, but I mean, you know, Troy.
0: Yeah. If I remember correctly, to, to your other point about the Jordan thing, if I remember that email right, they had a picture and it was like the like the 50-point club Tops Jordan card and the upper deck Magic Johnson, just like the base card from 91 that, that was turned sideways and upside down and backwards and sometimes stuck to itself in every other pack from 91 upper deck basketball because <laughs> the collation was so bad. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, they're calling that a twenty-dollar value. Okay, twenty dollars now. Ten months ago, those would be like a couple bucks a piece. Right. But with the resurgence of everything and everybody jumping back into the hobby and going after junk wax, but that mystery autograph was kind of interesting because I think they listed like Dan Marino and Doc Dwight Gooden and and Dick Butkus as potential uh, players that you yes. could get out of there. So
1: for thirty bucks more. You're getting a mystery autographed 8x10, getting a couple of basketball cards. You're getting a football card set. So if you like football, that would be definitely, I don't know if that set's worth 30 extra dollars on top guess. of that. Do you remember Collector's Edge? Oh, yeah. What do you remember about Collector's Edge? Fill me in. Uh,
0: well, there were tons and tons of sets for Collector's Edge in football. I mean, and the initial collector's edge that came out, um, the idea was cards had point values and you could take those point values and collect however many the points said there were, and then trade those in for a better one and it would just keep cycling that way or no, that was wild card. Sorry. I'm getting my jacked up cards that don't exist anymore. Confused.
1: Yes. Wild Um, card. I was, yeah, that was wild card.
0: Sorry. Um, okay. No collectors edge. yeah. Collector's edge had a ton, a ton of sets. Um, just, and they put out just so much stuff. Some of them were pretty good, but a lot of them were just that hokey nineties, you know, let's throw as much gold foil and acetate and clear things and neon lights and everything else on a card and try to shove it in collector's faces. But, uh, you know, obviously they, they were a casualty since they don't exist anymore. But right. I, don't know, I don't know if somebody bought them or they just folded.
1: Well, I mean, at least this is a Dallas Cowboys set, you know. It's oh, at least. Like, I
0: mean, that's what I would want.
1: Yeah, I mean, because I think of like, you know, you think of like some of the more like, you know, signature rookie stuff that was like unlicensed and stuff like that. And that that stuff's almost comical these days. Or it is comical. We still make fun of it signature rookie and classic and, and classic was a cut above but still you know what i mean um yeah. so those well, are I the found different the, uh found, found yes, the I one-on-one
0: pricing yes um you got to go to the chicago sports spectacular page to find it that's why mm-hmm. i couldn't find it earlier um so if you would like a one-on-one video chat for two to three minutes with flyers great bernie perron it will cost you $79.
1: For how long?
0: Two to three minutes. Oh, wow. So essentially it's his time is about 40 bucks a minute to to talk with Bernie Perron. Jerry Cheevers, same price. Um, Mike Bossy is $99. Also, Andre Dawson is $99. And to talk with Bobby Hull, it will cost you $125. For, for how two, long? Two to three minutes. All of these video chats are two to three minutes. Hmm. Um, so, like you were talking about, they sell products on their website. and You can buy all of the products you're talking about. They have listed, and you can buy them anywhere from signed eight by tens to pucks for the hockey players, baseballs, bats. Um, they've got just a, a little variety of, of everything for the various players that are going to be there. Um, as an example, um, if you want a signed puck by Bernie Perron, it'll cost you 59 bucks. Um, if you want them to write an inscription on it, it's another 10 bucks. Uh, so if you want them to write hall of fame, 1984, that'll cost you an extra 10 bucks. So $69, um, cheevers, same thing, 59 and 10 bossy is 79 and 15. So that's for the signature puck and for the inscription. If you want it, uh, Bobby hall is, uh, 15 also for the inscription, and I want to say 49 for the puck. Mm. Um, and oh, if you want him to write Golden Jet, it'll also cost you 15. Mm. So, but uh, yeah, so that gives you some idea. But you can go to the Chicago Sports Spectacular.com site and click on their buy autograph product section, and it'll take you to what, what they have available for the show that you can pick up from from these guys so and you can also purchase your two to three minute video one-on-one chat session
1: i don't know what i would say in three minutes i don't know if i could it would take me three minutes just to get my question out that's
0: why you got to pre-prepare what your questions are going to be write them all down and just do a you know just a blitz questions like I don't
1: know. Oh yeah. I've done that before. When I've interviewed players for like articles, I always have my questions ready. Yeah, I yeah. always have uh just just so you can slam questions. them
0: off one after the other mm-hmm. and like no comments, no nothing, just boom, go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Who's your favorite player growing up? As soon as they say a name. Okay, next question. Yeah. <laughs> like we don't have time for any of this. So Yeah, so I mean we could get all these guys on the show as a guest if you want, and we can record. Yeah. It'll only cost us Two, three, about 400 bucks. Sure. To get three-minute interviews with with four Hall of Famers.
1: Uh, We might get a few more listens that week, though.
0: Hey, never know. We could stretch it out over four episodes.
1: Yeah, we could be like, yeah. And somewhere in this two-hour podcast is a three-minute talk with Bernie Perrant. Find out what we say.
0: Better yet, we go into those and be like, okay, I just want you to read this prompt. Hold up the prompt that says... It's like, like a bumper for us, like a radio bumper. Like, mm-hmm. This is Bernie Perrant saying, do like I do and listen to the Puck Junk podcast. <laughs> just do like an advertisement. I don't know, maybe. That'd be maybe kind of, yeah, that, that's. Just, they might charge a... extra for that. That might yeah. be an extra
1: $15. I'm sure there's some sort of like clause in there for commercial use. Probably. Probably. But I like your thinking. So uh, speaking of... Uh, a little bit of self-promotion here. So Puck Junk, we will be there at the um expo. I'm hoping that it's going to be a lot like last time where people just show up and talk hockey. Um, That's the plan. I mean, we'll have a booth there. I'll be selling Puck Junk t-shirts, but I just want people to show up. And if you don't buy a t-shirt, show up and talk. Talk hockey with us. We I had so much fun at that virtual expo in June. Remember, yeah, we... We the the show ended at like five p.m. on Saturday, and we all just stayed talking until five forty-five. And then we all got like little alert pop-ups that said the the session is now ended or something. So like we were like the ones who closed the bar. It was like when the lights go on and it's yeah, time we were to, being booted. We were booted. From a virtual chat of, of you know, from talking about hockey cards, because we just had we were just having so much fun. Hockey, hockey cards, hockey, whatever. I mean, we we're just having a blast about that. Now, obviously we want you to come to the show and buy stuff from the dealers, but we also want you to come and talk hockey with us. I don't know if we can do this. I'm gonna look into see if we could do some sort of a hockey trade type thing. I know they talked about uh trades. Uh, maybe they can't really stop fans from trading with one another. So maybe now they're just making that a feature and not. A... Yeah, they,
0: it's on the schedule right now. What if it is go, If you go and look at their um, their rundown of what's going to be available each day, um, they actually have.
1: On the Chicago Sports Spectacular?
0: No, it was actually on the the ticketing page that I had the link for. Um when you go to the actual event through the through that hop into events mm-hmm. page, mm-hmm. they have all of their schedule, well tentatively what their schedule is. Mm-hmm. And um one of the things on there says November twenty second from ten thirty to eleven thirty. Uh tr- they call it trading lounge. Where hmm. attendees can network, tr- chat, and trade with each other. Nice. So I don't know how they're going to have that set up, or if it's going to be a separate room that you can just go in. That'll be probably hectic. And then they have it again on the 22nd from three to basically three to four. Same thing. So, but yeah, nothing can stop because if it's it's going to be set up like last time, you'll have a chat window that anybody can see over on the side that's in the public forum area. And people were constantly posting things. Hey, I'm looking for this card, or I'm looking for this, or does anybody have this, or I have this for sale. And, you know, they tried to monitor it up to a certain point, and then it just, I mean, it is what it is.
1: Yeah, you have 6,000 people spamming a, a chat window. It was a little hectic and hard to hard to police. But uh, I think overall it went okay. I mean.
0: No, I had I think fun. So it was good for us i mean a lot of fun and uh, you know a lot of our listeners that came in and you know people we didn't even know were listeners are like oh yeah we listened to your show and came in and we're hanging out and you know we had we had 10 to 15 people in there at any given time right either either on the video or at least in the chat and contributing a little bit yeah. here and there yeah so but it was fun
1: so speaking of hockey cards, so one idea that just popped in my head the other day of something that I thought would be fun to talk about for uh, a podcast was uh, the best and worst of 2019-2020. Now, this is not a ranking. I don't want to do the five best and the five worst or the 10 best and the 10 worst because um, who's to say what's worse than this or that or the other? It's, it's all opinionated. And I mean, I mean, do you say... A company making too much product is at worse than a company that whose website failed when they were trying to sell product, right? I mean, these are both bad things, but, I mean, it's arguable which is worse. But what I wanted, what I wanted to talk about were some of, the, like, the high points and the low points. Um, you know, like, the sets that we liked, the sets that we didn't like, the things that happened that we thought were pretty cool, and the things that we— uh, didn't think were pretty cool. And actually when I suggested this idea to you, Tim, I, I was just thinking of like things that happened and you actually took that to mean what sets were well-received and what sets were not well-received, which is great because I wasn't even thinking in that direction. So it's kind of like what we bring to this will kind of complement each other.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, there's different ways to look at it. And if you take a best and worst of, of pretty much anything, when you have as many to choose from, as far as the different releases that were made by the various companies in the 1920 season, there's a lot to like and there's a lot to take a pass on. And everybody's got their opinion. So
1: so what would you like to start with? you want to talk about a set that was well-received or well-liked or popular?
0: Why don't, why don't you throw out one that you really liked?
1: One that I really liked? Yes. Well, see, I'm kind of boring because... I, liked, I like Upper Deck Series 1 and Series 2. That's always my favorite set. And you know what? They don't really deviate from the plan. And even though I want them to go back to making those fun, like, checklists that had, like, the paintings on them or, like, those really funny cards like Doug Waite standing in the sand, you know, like his rookie card or whatever. Like, I want them, I would love Upper Deck to return to those sorts of things. But you know what? For what it's worth, just their, their standard set as it is, it's a great set. Great photography, great quality, great player selection. Um not an impossible set to build. It's challenging with the young guns, but it's not as hard as like putting together like um an old school black diamond set where you had like double diamonds, triple diamonds, quadruple diamonds, or like an ice set or an SP authentic set, right? Like you get a few more rookie cards per box uh, it's always a really exciting set. And I love the way that they do the late update. I wish it wasn't in uh, SP Authentic, but I like the fact that they throw out an extra 30 cards, you know, those late season trades, those surprise rookies. And actually, I'm going to throw, as long as we're talking about Upper Deck Series, uh, not Series 1 or Series 2, but the update that was in SP Authentic. One thing that I thought was really great was that they put in a David Ayers rookie card in SP Authentic as part of the Upper Deck Young Guns subset. So those of you who, I don't think anybody's forgotten this, but David Ayers, who was the feel-good story of the season, um, he was the, uh, the emergency backup goaltender on the staff of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he ended up playing about a game and a half for the Carolina Hurricanes when both of their goalies got injured in the game against toronto in toronto he came in he was wearing a marley's helmet and like marley's equipment um because he also worked for their minor league toronto marley's team and actually had even sat on the bench for them for a game or two i think at least one game so uh there was a game dated moment card of him which was awesome but then there was also a young guns card of him which is awesome so to me, that's one thing that I look at, and I say that's really awesome because we're always glad to see when an e-bug comes in, it's kind of a big deal. Sometimes it's a little more celebrated than other times. Usually it's pretty celebrated now, um, but now these guys are getting hockey cards. I mean, uh, George Alves got a hockey card, uh, also a Carolina Hurricane, who's their equipment manager. But that was something that was like given away at Carolina— sorry, uh, Raleigh area, or probably given away North Carolina and South Carolina, card shops, right? So that wasn't something that came in packs. And then Scott Foster, who was the e bug for the Blackhawks, he ended up having a card in the next season's Opeachy set. He kinda didn't want any cards because I asked Upper Deck about that and I said, Are you gonna make a are you gonna make a card of him somehow? And he said, Oh no, he he's just he 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 politely declined. But then he ended up in Opeachy you know, six months later. So, that's one thing that I thought was really awesome this season. Airs the e bug extraordinaire getting a young gun. That is awesome.
0: That was good, and it was a very popular card, and still is. You try to try to nab that one on the secondary market, you're going to be paying some bucks for it. So, um, so yeah. So I, I like you said, I I kind of took this from a. What do people think was the best and what do people think was the worst? And I I reached out to uh, to all the collectors out there in the uh, Twitter world and uh, got some interesting responses and uh, got some overwhelming left and rights here Mm -hmm. um, on the uh, on the best as far as what uh, what collectors felt was the best hockey release of the year. Upper deck stature, overwhelmingly, um, has the support as being one of the best sets. Um, Whether it's the player selection that was in there, uh, we had somebody comment about, uh, you know, it's the only, it's pretty much the only set that had a Willie O'Ree card in it, so they were all over that. Um, You know, a a lot of consensus that, uh, well, you know, a census blocker who who we both both know uh he said on twitter yeah yeah it's an eye appealing design it has hard signed autos rainbows and a variety of one of ones that it does it's got a ton of that um and uh you know there there were comments about the, the the fact that the cards are all the autos are all on card thicker card stock was brought up too which gives the card a better feel I know uh, Blades of Steel brought up the fact that the card stock was a lot thicker and, you know, it makes them feel like they're more premium and a more of a special card. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, that that's kind of the sediments all around. They just, they just looked really good and well made and put together and the player selection was well done and there's a lot of variety there. Even though it is a higher ticket item, a Deck a, pretty good job with the design on this. And I, I think they that was a winner. I think they hit that one out of the park. On the opposite side, because for every yin, there's a yang. And mm-hmm. Every black, there's a white. Again, overwhelmingly, and we did have a couple people say they were in the minority by liking certain aspects of this set, but overall, credentials. Seems to be the consensus uh I don't want to say the tr- the trash can release but the uh this is definitely one that's uh not very popular uh for a variety of reasons and and this is another one too that was released on epack so upper deck not only released this into the wild in boxes and packs and so on but it's also on epack and available to purchase that way so mm-hmm. you do have that aspect of it where you have people that think Well, you know, while some of the inserts are nice, they had to go and take the product and dump it on EPAC, so there's going to be no resale value to it in the end, which tends to happen with a lot of the EPAC stuff, um, just because there's a lot of it. Um, People felt that it was tacky. It was boring. Um, The Nate Dog VB who goes by Eichel Bills on Twitter, um, said that it looked thrown together and he felt the entire product was a cash grab with a clunky design and nothing really nice to look at. Plus, the Sabres checklist sucked. So, as you can see, he's a Sabres fan. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you bought into credentials at all. Um, credentials, Kind of reminds me a little bit of. I don't know if I was going to compare it to something, you know, when Panini had contenders. Mm -hmm. Very busy card fronts with all kinds of stuff going on because they were trying to make them look like tickets. Mm -hmm. Uh, Credentials. Yeah, they don't really look like tickets, but they do have kind of a, a busier design. And they for a product, that's not necessarily high end, but also not low end either. Um, it, I, I could see some of the, some of this now, what they did like is there's some insert sets in there, like through the glass and steel wheels. Those are some, those are some nice insert sets, mm-hmm. but I think overall, um, the consensus was that, uh, credentials was, was a miss on the, on the overall thing. So, I mean, that gives you an idea of, of. One side to the other. I did I did purchase Stature. I got a box of Stature, and I will say that I was very impressed with it. I liked it a lot. I did not buy into Credentials, just because at that point I was like, eh, I don't know that this is going to last or be around very much, just because now, of the way I thought it was designed as well.
1: Wasn't there, doesn't Credentials have some cards that kind of look like, um, like ID cards? And wasn't that an idea that was used in MVP a couple years ago?
0: Uh, yeah, the actual, um, credential cards, It those were used for multiple years mm-hmm. where you have the ID cards for the players, um, and, uh, they, they had different levels, you know, you had your level one, level two, and the rookies were turned sideways, kind of like a driver's licenses for mm-hmm. underage, mm-hmm. underage players or underage, um, kids when they get their licenses. Um so yeah, I mean there was a, a kind of a, a, a mix mixed thing there. Um now they did have on card autos with the because they had debut ticket access cards. Mm-hmm. Um those autographs were were actually hand signed. Mm-hmm. Um, but you only got one in a box with the possibility of a second one. Um but those those were things that people liked. But the rookie science cards that had like a weird sciencey looking background that had like different were supposed to be like different stats and would show like a player shooting shooting a puck with the stick bend and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think those went well. The through the boards, like I said, they liked those because they were acetate. Um uh, and the steel wheels just looked really nice. Those were really nice cards. They're because they were metal. Um And especially the gold parallel ones, which were numbered out of 99. Mm
2: -hmm. But
0: the, uh, you know, people didn't like the hot dog cards. They thought they were stupid. The colorful characters, for the most part, they thought those were kind of lame. The ProVision cards were cool, but they were like one out of 120 packs. Mm -hmm. So they were basically impossible to get.
1: Um, What was the deal with those the ProVision cards? They sound familiar.
0: Yeah, kind of like the old Fleer ProVisions. Mm. Back in the day. They were like, basically that. Only for hockey.
1: Like illustrations? Yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. yeah. It would have a it would have a player illustration and then something going on in the background. Something weird going on in the background. The mm. colorful characters ones had a player like dressed. I I think I have the Brent Burns one. And he's dressed like at the awards. It's the picture from him at the award show on the red carpet. And he's wearing that camouflage tuxedo that he had oh, on. It's like nasty looking. And um, like the hot dog cards were like players doing a goal celebration, mm. which that's already a contentious thing anyway, because some people love it and the hockey purists hate hate it. So it's like. You know, it is what it is, but but yeah, the provisions like the like the Capocaccio one. And he's he's the Statue of Liberty, and mm-hmm. he's holding up a hockey stick.
1: Oh yeah, I remember those. And it's got okay, New York looked, in the background. Those looked cool.
0: Yeah, it's got New York in the background. There's a Connor McDavid one. There's a Jonathan Taze one where it's got like a crowd behind him.
1: Yeah, um, I remember seeing those and saying, "Oh man, I want those," and then seeing yeah. they're like one in a thousand packs. So like, oh, okay, never mind then. Yeah, yeah no, no, no.
0: Yeah, they're, they were hard to pull. So yeah, I don't want to bag on it too much. Cause like I said, I don't have any myself. I have a few cards here and there, but uh, for the most part, you know, like I said, from a popular opinion standpoint, people jumped on that and were just like, no, thank you. Um, so that was, th- that. that's kind of the best and worst from a, from a crowdsourcing standpoint. Mm -hmm. as far as what they felt now there were votes obviously for other other products like um a lot of people a lot of people liked allure um because it was a pretty good value for what it was and the cards looked really nice Um, and also people didn't like allure for the very same reason um, we had one comment from, uh, CBJ Flex who thought it was just a sticker auto repackaging of Opeachy Platinum.
1: It does look a lot like Platinum. Yeah. So I'm trying to see, like, I, I guess the thing is, is like, is there room for two shiny sets if they're both made by the same company?
0: Well, and that's the thing. Allure was, Allure was cool until Stature came out. And even though they're completely different price points, mm-hmm. I think at that point you had a lore, then you had OPG Platinum. Now all of a sudden you have stature and if it's like, you know, base, middle, high. Okay. Well, now that there's a high and we can compare it to the high, does anybody care about the low again? Well, you know, it's, it's a cheaper thing. So, you know, if you're a player collector and things like that, there's a lot of rainbows, to go with it in various colors, variations and die cuts mm-hmm. things like that. There's even retail variants for Allure. Mm-hmm. And that was another nice thing about Allure. It was readily accessible because you could walk to your or drive or fly if you wanted or take a skateboard. However you chose to get there you could go to your Target or Walmart or uh, retail store that sold and buy retail versions of Allure because they were immune to all of the uh pack fondlers and uh um flippers but uh so i mean it was a it was a value set but like i said i think stature kind of knocked it off at the top and everybody liked it at first and then all of a sudden didn't so it got votes for best and worst um ice came up a lot in the worst um we talked about ice we did a we did a uh our little box battle
2: mm-hmm, i this. remember
0: um and one of the biggest biggest things about that was it doesn't really give you bang for your buck because it's too hard to pull the higher-end cards, especially the Ice Premieres that are the better ones, the known ones mm-hmm. numbered out of 99. Um, and the base card design, for the most part, kind of took the same path as it has the last couple years. So there wasn't a whole lot of uh, uh, different creativity i guess to put it in a in a better way somebody said they should have redesigned it more similar to the 0506 version of ice
1: that was a nice set the 0506 version of ice i remember that set it had um if i remember correctly uh, um the cards were puffy i think the player was raised that was either 0506 or 06 oh no wait a minute i'm sorry that was an 0506
0: 506 was had a contour to the to the print.
1: It did, okay.
0: Yeah. because I, okay. I have it in a I have it in a binder, just the base cards though.
1: Okay, yeah, obviously. I mean I have O506, I have uh I have the base set and then I have quite a few of the rookies because so much of that product was broke that year because people wanted to get Crosby and Ovechkin. Yeah that 90% of the rookie cards end up in quarter boxes. So like, I'm not saying that these are great cards, but like, you know, a lot of, I I picked up quite a few of the rookies from that set for like 25 cents to like a dollar each. So, you know, and some pretty good players too. I'm not saying like, maybe not like Henrik Lundqvist quality, but you know, like still, I was just like, ah, you know, I'll just buy these, they're rookie cards. And some of these guys might pan out. I mean, You know, one card, obviously buy what you like, buy what you love, and you won't be disappointed. But I got to tell you, for about, there was about five years when I would be fishing Corey Crawford rookie cards out of quarter boxes and 50-cent
0: boxes. Prior to the Cups, I'm guessing.
1: Yes. This would have been prior to 2000, well, even, even in 2010, he was the third string black ace, was he? Uh, no, I think Toivonen was the third yeah, string. Yeah, yeah Hanu Toivonen was the third, was the black ace. You had, um,
0: Cristobal Cure and,
1: and, uh, Anti Niemi were the, the two gold But anyways, but yeah, so like nobody was on, or Corey Crawford wasn't on anybody's radar. I mean, I remember picking up SPX rookies. Some dealer had two of them sitting on the table for like 50 cents each. And I'm like, sold. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, uh, and, and I mean, okay, you know, now he's with the Devils, but I mean, he went on to a a great career with the Blackhawks and his rookie card is worth more than 50 cents. But that's the thing. At the time, it's just like, oh, this isn't Sidney Crosby or Alex Ovechkin, toss it in the the, the quarter bin or the 50 cent bin, you know? And I, it's funny how many rookies you find that way because they just get forgotten about. Like that one time I found those two Marc-Andre Fleury rookie cards at a show, now, they were top C55 from O three O four. not the well, not the hardest rookie cards to find, but no. definitely worth more than the quarter that I paid for each of them.
0: I would agree with that. I would definitely
2: agree with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, getting back to the whole rookie thing and, and, and ice and uh, this year's ice, I mean, look, I got a Quinn Hughes rookie card in my box. That is not a typical... You yeah, know,
0: you, you nailed your box
1: results not typical as they always say in those weight loss ads right results not typical but you know what i thought ice was okay i just i i think as far as bang for your buck see my whole thing is is like for a higher end product i always want a few more rookie cards and there never seems to be quite enough like upper deck series one series two you get six. peachy you usually get every other pack as a short print, although one of those short prints might be a marquee legend, and you're just like, meh, okay. I mean, nice, but not what you were hoping for. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't necessarily have a problem with ice, but it wasn't necessarily a set that I was going to buy either. Another set that it, I didn't buy, but that was well received, that I will bring up, came out at, uh, I want to say, it came out in January or February. It was President's Choice Trading Cards Solitaire set. So Solitaire was a set of like all one-of-one one cards, hence the name Solitaire. Now I haven't most counted- Most of are, right? Um, one of one, one of three, one of five. Some, some are numbered as high as 10, for gotcha. depending on the, the, the set in the series. Solitaire, though, the selling point for that was all one-of-one one cards. Autographed yeah. cards- um memorabilia cards some with up to like maybe f- i know there were ones with four players it might have been ones with six players i'm not quite sure i don't remember all of them um the checklist for that that they posted on their site is like 50 pages long because all the cards are one of ones right so it's just you know i don't know if there's like silver versions and gold versions and i know you could say eh, okay if you have a silver version and a gold version and a regular version. Now you really have three of them. But I guess they're still one-on-ones, right? Because you have different parallels, if you will. Um, I mean, they had, uh, they had some uh, cards uh, that they do called paper cuts. And so um, Solitaire had, um, like, where they would, like, cut, like, an autograph of either a deceased player or of just somebody really famous and cut it and mount it on a card. They had jumbo memorabilia. They had, I think I um,
0: remember seeing the Ken Dryden one.
1: Yes, yes. It,
0: it was like a cut.
1: Yeah. And then they had um, uh, cards with autographs and memorabilia of the same player. And then, like, I know, like their Blades of Steel cards, which had like pieces of game used skates, had like four players on them. So, those were a high end product. It was $279 for a three card box, and they sold out. They, you know, they all eventually sold out. Um, It seemed to be a pretty popular set by that measure um, that it just a lot of uh, a lot of people, you know, it was it was on their site for a while and now it's not. Um, And it was a pretty exciting set. And I guess if you say, wow. 279 for a box of cards with only three cards. But, yeah, you're getting three hits and they're all one on one. So. You know, unless I get the gold one and you get the silver one, and we could say, well, these are kind of the same card, but really, they're all one-on-ones. And I I think that's pretty cool. I mean, we get excited when we get a one-on-one, and if you think about it, like, you might spend $300 on, like, a box of cards from another company and maybe get a one-on-one card out of that, right?
0: Yeah, if you're lucky.
1: Yeah, so I thought that was a, a pretty notable set uh, from them. That was a, a, a best thing. Um, and then a worst thing, and I think you'll need to talk about this, was when uh, Panini
2: <laughs>
1: ventured back into hockey. Uh, well, they had lost their hockey sticker license. We'll talk more about that later. But they lost their hockey sticker license, so they decided to go back into making Hockey cards, albeit not with NHL logos and only of certain players, particularly two Rangers players, one Ranger player, one Ranger prospect. And then they tried to sell their score hockey cards on their website. And I think you could take over the story from here.
0: Well, I mean, they sold they sold all of their product from their website. Um, Look, I mean, Panini's got the football license. Um, they still make bat. They still make baseball products. They still make basketball products. Um, cause they have, um, you know, they, they, they don't have a hockey license. Right. So we'll just go with that. So they don't even have the ability to make physical pro cards because they don't have a player's association license mm-hmm. either. But what they do have are individual exclusive licenses with two players. um Either Capo Caco or Vitali Kraftsov, who hasn't cracked an NHL lineup yet, is in the KHL. Um, Caco is a good prospect, decent player. Didn't live completely up to his expectations for the year, but we'll see next year. But both in the Rangers system, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're a Rangers fan, great. Here's your opportunities to get signed cards memorabilia cards of two players that you're not necessarily going to get the autographs for in uh, any of the upper deck products you'll get other rookies for you just won't get the the extra stuff right um which is fine but for the year you know panini came out with contenders they came out with immaculate they came out with prime they came out with prism they came out with select and they came out with score and they were all put on their direct-to-consumer platform um, on their website. So the only way you could get their product was to purchase it directly from their site. And when the product would go live, just like any other product that goes live on a website these days, all the bots would take over. And, you know, people writing their scripts so they think you can buy every, every pack that was out there and hurry up and throw it all in the secondary market. Well, they did that with the initial releases and, you know, the, the pack cost was being quadrupled and quintupled on the secondary market, but quickly they were finding out that hockey doesn't have that type of following. Hockey has a traditional type collector following for the most part. Granted, there are exceptions, but for the most part, and it didn't play well. Now, with all of the other products that are out there, and I believe you can still get a few of them on their website. I could be wrong on that, so don't don't necessarily quote me. You'll have to go on their website and check it out yourself. But the secondary market is flooded with this product. Absolutely flooded. And prices range all over the place. A lot of it's still selling. I don't imagine it's selling to you know, the everyday collector that's just looking to get it. I myself wouldn't because I have no interest in either of these players. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to go after it. But I imagine a Rangers fan or fans of these individual players or people that have to be completists and have everything that's out there. Sure, they're going to go for that kind of stuff. But the fact that you're buying individual packs directly, you only have these two players. Most casual fans probably aren't going to have heard of either of them let alone the the one player that's never played in an NHL game. So yeah, I mean look, direct to consumer, it's 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 in every you know, every sport. Anybody that's making this stuff has some type of direct to consumer product. You know, Tops has their Tops Now stickers for hockey. They also release, you know, their their other direct to consumer releases through their website. Um, you know, President's Choice, as we just talked about, they're a direct-to-consumer. They sell right from their website. Um, you know, Upper Deck's Game Dated Moments, it's only available through ePack. That's direct-to-consumer. I mean, if you want to go as far as to say Top Skate, which is a digital-only product, you know, that's direct-to-consumer because, you know, you're on the app and you're utilizing it even though they're digital. But you know that that's kind of the wave of the future is is to go that direction, and now they've even gone as far as you know you have the print on demand.
2: Mm-hmm. You
0: know, like you know the 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 tops twenty twenty is the big one for that, the print on demand, and Panini has it with practically every week come out with a new release for basketball or football or something that's that that's a super exclusive that you have to you know you got to be clicking the refresh button every couple seconds in order to. You know, to qualify to get it. But, you know, to me, I hate to bag on Panini. I feel like I'm always bagging on Panini. I feel like well, I'm uh, always doing it. But the reason why, These, oh, go ahead. to me, were ridiculous. I thought these were ridiculous. I don't like exclusives. I never have. I get it. You know, a player gets told, I'm going to pay you this much money. You're going to be exclusive. You're going to sign this. You're going to do this and do that. I, I get it. Right? I understand. I know why companies do it, because they're trying to be the only one. You go to them, there's the source. You know When McDavid came out, McDavid signed with Upper Deck, and then you had Eichel sign with Leaf.
2: Mm-hmm. Well,
0: what ended up happening? Eventually, Leaf's contract ran out, and all the products ended up in Upper Deck. Eventually, you had to buy back autos that didn't mm-hmm. actually exist, but they bought back the rookie cards, had him sign them, and then mm-hmm. re-released them so that ta he has signed rookie cards. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I just, I, I couldn't get into these. I, I couldn't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fault anybody for going after them if they do, but this is just not, it, it was not for me. But you know, if they I were wanted... able to release something more encompassing with more players mm-hmm. or maybe even do a team release, where they could say, I'm going to re- we'll release a team set of Prism cards for, you know, the Minnesota Wild. And all mm-hmm. the Wild fans could go and pick those up or something like that. That'd be great. But that's not the case. It's not the world we live in it. And that's not the current state of the hobby. And this is what we had. And it's just, to me, that's a all of those sets. I put them all in the same category. And I would say those are all a, what are we doing? Worst? I guess.
1: Uh, the Panini sets.
0: Yes. The so, Contenders Immaculate Prime Prism Selected Score.
1: The reason why I actually, what I thought you would talk a little bit more about was you were actually trying to buy the scorecards and you couldn't and you tried for like a day.
0: Oh, in the beginning, yeah, because I tried I tried to see if I could. Mm-hmm. And I got booted numerous times. I couldn't get the website to load half the time. And when it would, you'd try to put something into your cart you'd try to check out. And it wouldn't let it go through. And, I mean, at that point, I was done. I mean, I didn't necessarily want them. I just wanted to try it out. Right. And I would have been willing to buy a few packs just to see. Right. But that wasn't happening.
1: Right. And by the time they figured it out and they made it so that it was either, A, they fixed the site or, you know, made it faster or whatever, or B... Uh, The bots and the scalpers stopped all flooding the site. Then it was for like $75 a pack, you know, like panini contenders for $75 a pack and may contain an autograph and might not contain an autograph, might contain a limited numbered parallel as your hit.
0: Well, and a lot of the higher end stuff that came out later guaranteed something. Mm-hmm. In the packs,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but back to my point that I was already making, look on the secondary market. There's so much of this out there that mm-hmm. it, did it, did it makes me question, did any collector actually buy this or right. was it all people looking to capitalize on an instant product and flip it as quickly as they could? Because hmm. it, it's so much of it's out there. And like I said, I looked, I've looked at completed auctions. There's some of it that's selling. So it's obviously not all garbage, but yeah, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things. It's not for me. That would be a, that, that, that'd that be a worst for me.
1: Understandable. And, and I agree with all of that. So I think another best on our list should be national hockey card day, 2020, because, you know, Canada's had national hockey card day, I think since 2009 and the U S since 2012. And so, it's nice to see that continue in 2020. It was st- still pre-pandemic shutdown, so you know I was able to scoot around to a bunch of different stores and get a bunch of packs. I mean, every year I like this set. I love hockey cards. I love free hockey cards. I don't mind going to the different shops to get them. Um, there was there were more of the short printed cards. Not the one that you had to pay for, but like the Victory Black and the mascot cards were a little bit easier to pull this year. It was actually pretty easy to put together those sets. I think that's okay. We all want another card of Gritty. We like mascots. We like mascot cards, depending on the mascot, um, of course. But
0: um, What was the other one? Was it Yuppie?
1: Uh, well, Is no, it depended ones? because in Canada they had different, uh, they had different mascots. So in the United States, and I'm just going to pull up my, oh, actually, no, I don't have the Canadian, I have the Canadian set, but not the mascots. So for the United States. Oh yeah, States,
0: that's right. I, I remember now, like SJ S. Sharky had a card and.
1: Gritty, SJ Sharky, uh, Bernie de St. Bernard. Bernie. Yeah, that's right. Tommy Hawk and Bailey. All very solid U.S.-based mascots. I mean, if you're going to have a mascot set, you got to have Bailey. you got to have Gritty. I would have liked Iceberg more so than uh, uh, Bernie the Bernard or um, St. Bernard or even Tommy Hawk. You know, even though I'm a Blackhawk fan, I I see Iceberg as maybe a more iconic mascot. Yeah,
0: I mean, he's, he's the mascot of two teams, an NHL team and an AHL team.
1: No, I think the AHL team, I think his name is Tux. And I think he has a little bit of red on his neck to differentiate him.
0: Yeah, he's still Iceberg. Yeah, he's still he's, Ice. He, he's the lesser iceberg. He's, he's, iceberg. he's Iceberg East. He's
1: Iceberg Light, like the light beer version of Iceberg. There you go. So uh, what was I going to say? Um, and then in Canada, I mean, they had... Um, Harvey the Hound was one of the mascot cards, whatever. Anyway, so uh, getting back, National Hockey Card Day, that's always a win. Um, I'm always happy to see that happen, and um, it did. Uh, I also liked Upper Deck Singles Day, where they had those um, winter cards that said winter on the bottom. You remember those?
0: Yeah. Those weren't all hockey, though, were they?
1: They were not all hockey. Yeah, because I remember uh,
0: like a Michael Jordan and a LeBron James and a... Serena Williams, and...
1: It was a little eclectic of a set. So uh, to talk about the Singles Day set, uh, you went, you got a pack of cards from the st- uh, card shop. It was kind of like another National Hockey Card Day. But the checklist, I'll just read it to you really quick. I mean, it's it's really good. Michael Jordan, Patrick Waugh, Alex Lafreniere, Wayne Gretzky, LeBron James, Serena Williams, uh, Ben Simmons, Tiger Woods, Nathan McKinnon, Steven Stamkos, Jack Eichel, Carey Price, Johnny Goudreau, Elias Peterson, Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, uh, Philip Zadina, Patrick Kane, John Tavares. All right. So... So mostly hockey. Mostly,
0: mostly hockey and all of their exclusive licensed people.
1: Right. And I mean, I get that Jordan, they can't show him in a Bulls jersey, but I would have settled for... You no, know, they can't really do an All-Star jersey either because... I would have settled for a, a Dream Team Olympic jersey. Of course, that uh, would have been a other, whole different license, but still. Yeah,
0: Jordan LeBron and Ben Simmons, they never show in any NBA because they don't have the NBA license.
1: But yeah, so it was a mostly hockey set. I mean, I'm not going to complain about most of the non-hockey players because they are damn good athletes. Um, sure. So... What did they do? So they had this thing where the cards had scratch-off codes on the back, and you could enter them into their website, their bounty program website, and then you could get, like, a gold version of the set, a silver version of the set, or a uh, green version of the set, emerald maybe, I don't know, and those sets were numbered. And I remember going on the bounty website the day of, and... You know what? It worked. I mean, I was able to enter in all my codes. Nothing crashed. I ended up getting a um I wanna say I ended up getting the silver version of the set. And then my girlfriend ended up or my girlfriend at the time I need to add that one very important line. My girlfriend at the time got the green set. So that was kind of nice because now I have the regular version, the green version, and the silver version um and you did you redeem yours you redeemed de- yours right which version
0: did you it? gold or
1: I bo- green or I bo-
0: whatever the one is out of 99 i think that's that a green pretty, one yeah. yeah that's the one i got but i believe mine's still held hostage at com c so since
1: comc jail as i yeah. like to call it
0: yep so um yeah yeah no that i mean that was that was kind of it, it was cool to do that because we had all the codes but for for the cool thing about the bounty program is also something that a lot of people don't like about the bounty program is the fact that it's, I mean, it's designed for people that want to put in the work and go through the process of trying to track down all of the cards and collect all of the cards and get all of the codes and put in that effort. And you should be rewarded if you do that. But I know a lot of people don't feel that same way. But, you know, it's just something else. It's something different. It's something to chase. So well, how many boxes kind of, cool.
1: of the same product do you really want to buy? That's what um, I'm getting after.
0: That's the thing. So you end up buying a few boxes, you bust them open, you get your few cards that are eligible for different bounty programs, whatever that may be. Most of everything else you're chasing down, you're chasing down on the secondary market and hope nobody redeemed the code already. Right. So, I mean, that that's... That's really what that boils down to. So, but they had the bounty program through regular card releases. And I believe they also did something similar on EPAC as well, collecting so many of certain parallels of things that you could then turn in for something else. And I think a lot of those bounty things on EPAC, if I'm not mistaken, some of the people got like those manufactured patches that said, like various things, like mm-hmm. a whole host of of uh, phrases or whatever.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: so, which was kind of cool, but you know, again, not not my not my bag. But it's cool to see.
1: And another thing I'll I'll just point out was that the Tim Hortons set continued again this year. I don't buy the set because I don't have a Tim Hortons, and even if I did, they're only in Tim Hortons Canada. Although, wait true. a minute. The Buffalo Sabres, uh, Tim Hortons in the Buffalo area had a Sabres set.
0: Uh, so did the one in Detroit. One very in nice. Detroit.
1: All
2: um, right.
0: Yeah, they made they made various team sets available in locales that actually had um the Tim Hortons um, franchises. Well so...
1: this is this is cool because now we're starting to get, you know, any anytime you get hockey cards in the United States, like to me, it's, a, it's, it's still a big deal. You know what I mean? Like, I haven't eaten fast food since March um, because I've been trying to eat better and take care of myself and work out and stuff. And that's what I've been doing with a lot of the extra time with the pandemic. But if Burger King started having hockey cards at their store with, like, a food purchase, uh, I'd have to think of something. I'd have to, you know, I'd have to, you know, I'd be, I'd want, I'd want those cards, you know, like back in the day, like when McDonald's gave out those football cards. Oh my God. did I want those cards. You know what I mean? It's just, it's
0: like, every time uh McDonald's had the cards, it was, it was pretty popular. I mean, especially with the hockey ones because they were making parallel parallel sets to what the upper deck versions were like Mm -hmm. all those years they did ice
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And upper deck ice had a McDonald's version, and you know those were always cool, but then most of them went north of the border and the u s McDonald's didn't have anything Mm-mm. you had to go to the ones in Canada same thing you know Tim horton's has been around since fifteen sixteen well to the Tim horton's upper deck set i should say
1: right right right
0: uh 16 and it's been around every year and November twelfth is the release date for uh, the 2021 Tim Hortons products, which interestingly enough, you can go on eBay right now and already buy it because there's a bunch of scumbag people that work for Tim Hortons, obviously that are in management positions that have already grabbed the product and kept it for themselves and are trying to sell it already. So, right. but that's neither here nor there because that kind of crap always happens and it is what it is, but the new set will be out. You can go after it if you want. Um, Obviously, I'll be chasing the penguins, which is the cool thing this year is there's only 12 of them (laughs) uh, in the entire set based on the checklist. Um, And of those 12, five of them are base cards and the rest are all inserts. Hmm. So I'll probably never get all of them just like I haven't for any of the years. But, you know, I'm still trying to get them all because they're a little harder to. A little harder to nab at a decent price because most of the stuff hits the secondary market and people want millions of dollars for it because they think it's super premium, mm-hmm. which it can be just depends. Um, But yeah, Tim Horton sets are kind of cool, but you know, I lump those into the same thing. Like we're talking hockey card day, you know, the sibling sensations from family weekend. You I should remember. Be, you should be familiar with those, right? <laughs> so, uh, you know i would i would lump all of those in kind of the same category as more of the promo you know kind of mm-hmm. let's let's give back to collectors kind of thing um you know even upper deck overtime which you know those those were always given out to dealers to give out to their customers uh, as part of their purchases from various uh distributors um so they're you know that product's out pretty much every year as well so but, uh, yeah, all the promotional sets that were available um, definitely is a good positive.
1: Uh, and just to just to explain Tim's little uh, joke, so for those of you who don't know, so back in the 2018-19 season, Upper Deck put out a free set of cards uh, called Sibling Sensations. Um, it came out, I want to say it was like a week or two before National Hockey Card Day came out in 2019, and um, they actually hired me to write the, or contracted me. I wasn't like hired like an employee. I was contracted to write the card backs for those cards, which was really fun because you know, I've written magazine articles and you know blog posts, but to write like the backs of hockey cards was like a dream come true for me because I'm not a professional photographer, so I'm not going to see one of my photos that I took. On the front of a hockey card, as a writer who likes hockey cards, the best I could hope for was to write hockey card text. And I got to do that for nine cards. and it was pretty cool. i was um I was pretty excited about that. They actually they sent me a couple of like uncut proof sheets that I don't know if I want to frame them. I just I have them in like giant top loaders right now, but I just thought that was really neat, like to have like uncut sheets of the cards with the text that I wrote. It's just, it was kind of surreal.
0: To have anything on a, related to a card like that. That's cool. It's not what, not a lot of people get that opportunity. So.
1: Well, no, I mean, I guess not, but I mean, I was just, uh, it was, this was a geek dream of mine. Um, but, uh.
0: So other than your, other than you, what you would consider your favorite being series one and series two, we'll lump those together. Yep. Any any other releases that jump out to you? Because, I, I mean, I've got a few.
1: Like good or bad? Both. Well, I mean, I always like OPC. I don't think I bought any last year, though. But, I mean, it's always just a set that I put up there as a good set. I think another set that stood out to me as just a nice-looking set was President's Choice Equipped, which had four different pieces of memorabilia on the card so it had like so you know president's choice they always have to design around the fact that they can't show team logos and i think for the most part they do a very nice job so they have like a kind of a head and shoulder shot of the player and then like a big piece of a hockey stick and then like three smaller pieces of like other memorabilia so like think a piece of a jersey piece of skate a piece of pad a piece of glove a piece of pants etc like I thought that was a nice-looking set because it had, I mean, you know, it, it's called Equipped, so it's kind of a cool name for a a um, set of, you know, equipment, basically. Um, and it had four different kinds, which I think is cool because I think sometimes we look at a jersey card and go, okay, yeah, jersey, yeah, okay, stick. You know what I mean? Like, stick is definitely more uncommon. Jersey cards are, like, almost a dime a dozen. But to have, like, the four different memorabilia types... I thought those were pretty cool, and I, those are all one of ones. So it was a, a pretty limited set. I thought that one was a pretty good um, set as well. Um, you
0: know, if you're if we're jamming out the alternative hockey set, yep. Yeah. And I and I made air quotes for those that can't see me. See, these are my air quotes. Mm-hmm. Air quotes. Um, the. Uh, myself I would go with lumber Kings by leaf because you know, even though leaf does still make hockey product, the lumber Kings one that's been gone for a while. Um, they came out with that probably three or four years ago and, uh, then decided to bring it back for the 1920 season. I really like the lumber Kings that are out there. I mean, it's a limited product. They only made 2000 boxes. So like 200 cases.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, so the production's kind of limited and, um, Real, I mean, really nice stuff that comes out of there. You know, again, it's a premium product. You know, you buy a box, you're going to get four cards. But they're all premium relics and autographs and just really cool things. And it's focused around, obviously, being Lumber Kings, it's focused around the hockey stick. Mm-hmm. There's stick tape. There's stick blades. There's mm-hmm. stick – the actual stick pieces with the player's names on them or the player's mm-hmm. numbers on them. And, you know, it's just – it's really cool stuff to see on a card, and I think the design was well put together. And and honestly, for four cards of that caliber, the price point was it was only 160 bucks. So wow! And, and these just came out less than a month ago, so they haven't been out that long. The 1920 so, ones. So
1: okay, yeah, wow.
0: So I mean, it's a fairly newer release for the 1920 season. But Mm -hmm. I mean, the cards look really cool. I I like them just like, just like you said with the president's choice, it's, you know, it takes that game used piece, you know, the plain white swatch and it kind of puts it on steroids and, and, and gives you something a little more meaty that you can sink Mm -hmm. your teeth into. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of cool. So, you know, from that would be my vote for like the off the traditional upper deck, you know, path that I would definitely, uh, recommend people checking out if you, if you have that opportunity but like for me you know like you said OPG is always my set that's the set that I go after every year that's the one big set that I want to put together and like it, love it or hate it I still you know I still dive into it mm-hmm. and I probably always will just like with series one and series two um, but you know there's other things that I've ignored like I've never gotten into clear cut which hasn't come out yet um, I'm not sure what the release date is, but it's probably going to be sometime in December. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked ingrained, another high-end product. The ingrained cards looked really cool. a lot of the a lot of those wood finish and uh, uh, really nice looking cards, but just it was out of my you know out of my realm. Black Diamond's been out of my realm. I haven't touched Black Diamond in years. Ever since it went to the super premium. Mm -hmm. You know, but you know, that's another one that's still around. Um and you know, one of the other than the Opeachy, I I don't know. Last for 1920, I liked MVP. I really did. It may not be my favorite, because like I said, I really like Stature. Stature Mm -hmm. I think is probably be my favorite. But for a value standpoint, I like MVP. And a lot of people get scared of MVP because you don't get the autos that you get in other products. And, ooh, mm-hmm. if I got, if I don't get autos, it's not worth anything. Well, I want something fun, you know. And hitting an auto, yeah, that's great. But I still want something fun that keeps my interest. If all mm-hmm. I'm doing is chasing an auto and I am don't care about the rest of the product, what's the point? That's the way I look at it.
1: Well, and MVP, I, they, I'm looking at some of the cards right now. So... Uh their their uh their chase insert set, one of them was the um looked like the ninety-nine two thousand Stanley Cup edition cards.
0: Yeah, and every and year like they that do set. that. They do that they do that anniversary throwback to whatever mm-hmm. the 20 year set is because we're at the point now where it's been around long enough that they can do that. So each year they fast forward one more year. Mm-hmm. So it's a throwback to whichever and so those are cool. Um, and there's only a hundred of them, so they're, they're not impossible to go after. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, those are kind of cool on the flip flip side of that. Not a fan of synergy.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Just can't, I keep trying, but I just can't get into synergy. I don't get it, I guess.
1: Yeah. I mean, I got some synergy the year before. And I, I like some things about them, but they're all just kind of lumpy and kind of hard to store. And I mean, they're probably fitting pages. Okay. But yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm with you there. I, I I didn't even do synergy this year. Like not yeah, even a, a pack or a box.
0: I don't Synergy's one. I just, I don't know. I guess I'm missing something. I don't get it. Like, it's like you tell the joke and I, I don't get it. I, that, that one I don't get for some reason. Um, so that's one that to me is a on the on the downside. Some people might like it. Great, more power to you. You can have my share. Um, the other the other one that I don't really get into too much, um, and that's Parkhurst. As much as I liked older Parkhurst sets, the revival of Parkhurst in the last few years, I think is. Uh, I, I know I understand what they're doing, but. I, I don't think it's necessary, to mm-hmm. be honest. I think it's a super, superfluous set that doesn't really need to be made because, A, it's a retail-only product. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you go to Walmart and, oh, Parkhurst, when did they make this? Well, it's only there. It's the only mm-hmm. place you're going to find it. Mm-hmm. And it's also on EPAC. So I get the EPAC. I wish they would probably send this to just an ePack product with the ability to cash in on some real cards later on and not have a retail version um i think that might be better because the whole idea behind it is the the chase of the multiples so that you can cash them in for the better quality next level and so on and so forth and i think at some point then eventually it might become a regular a regular card Mm -hmm. i could see doing that but i there's enough product out there especially from a retail standpoint that's available for people i don't think parkhurst is necessary especially with an exclusive to a certain retailer.
1: Right. Just and, Walmarts in Canada?
0: Uh, no, it's in the U.S. Okay. It's in the U.S. Um, but I've heard many people say, Parkhurst, when did that come back out? Well, it's mm. been out. It's just only available there. Um, and, and that's an, that's another thing. If, you, if we want to go with uh, something, not necessarily worst, but to me that's a negative, and this is something that people brought up, kind of when we were talking about things is the more products that upper deck puts out. And again, not to, not to jump on a pile and bag on upper deck here, but the more product they put out that they double up on EPAC that creates a much larger pool of the cards being available, especially of the non-digital. Variety, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. meaning the cards that are actually real cards, and with the instant access of being able to buy an EPAC, open it, and send those cards immediately to your Com C account and put them up for sale.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Anything that goes onto EPAC within days of it becoming available, there are sometimes hundreds of samples available
2: mm-hmm.
0: through com c and I, I mean i get it it's a different source of revenue you got people going through digital some people don't want to go to the store and buy a pack they don't want to shop for it online and wait for the box to come and bust the packs they don't want to do that they like to have the digital way and if you're just a hit chaser it's perfect right because you could throw away the base cards because there aren't any because the only things that you're getting that's a real card are the hits, right? Or the inserts, or the rookies, or whatever. So, I, I mean, I understand that, but Opeechee Platinum, which should be a fairly decent product, once it hits EPAC, I mean, it's dirt cheap. Mm-hmm. Dirt cheap. Um, SP game used, even though the EPAC prices are high, a lot of the hits that come out of those packs that you would normally see being sold for you know 50 to 100 bucks mm-hmm. because there's bigger pull of the product now i mean that stuff's 10 20 bucks um so that happens same thing with SPX i've seen that happen as well because it gets loaded onto epac and you know it cuts into the value and a lot of people see that um you know, with credentials, it's done kind of the same thing, especially with the base cards. Not so much with the harder-to-hit inserts, but uh, a lot of the other inserts that are one per pack or one per very few packs. I mean, you can pick them up for 25 or or what, what's the base price on CompSea? Like $0.39 cents or $0.29 cents or something?
1: $0.29 cents yeah. is usually where they start. I think sure. they can't go any lower than $0.27. Okay, cents.
0: okay. well... You know, the same thing happens to MVP, not that MVP carries a big price tag, but you can usually do that. And and synergy too, you know, I've gotten synergy base cards just because of chasing penguin cards for, for fairly cheap Uh, that, you know, you buy a pack and a pack's costing 14 bucks just for a pack to have, you know, the cards themselves available for less than a buck doesn't seem to make much economic sense, but that's kind of the way things have gone. The only exception to all of that on EPAC is the high-dollar rookie cards that are young guns out of Series 1 or Series 2. That's pretty much the only exception. So like the canvas young guns Mm -hmm. or um, the acetate ones, like the Mm -hmm. clear-cut ones, or even the base ones. If they're Mm -hmm. the high-end players, those seem to be the only ones that – seem to maintain their value across the board common young guns can be had for 50 cents or less right in many cases and years ago before epac came out those were a dollar at best if not higher
1: dollar two seemed to dollar be the going going for, rate yeah, yeah
0: for the common no-name no rookies that don't really um carry a lot of a lot of value beyond those player collectors or team collectors that might actually be chasing them because these mm-hmm. guys had two games and in a sniff, and they're done. Um, but yeah, that seems to be it. And like I said, that that seemed to be the sentiment across the board is they dump so much of this and hold it back either for redemptions or dump it on EPAC. That you know it doesn't hold value. And yeah, you're not really going to necessarily get a lot of value out of lower end product necessarily. But at the same time, a collector generally wants something. I mean, those of us that are set builders, we're going to go after it anyway, because we're Mm -hmm. trying to set, especially from a base standpoint. So we don't care that we're paying 20 cents for a card. We like that, in fact, but it's a double edged sword. You know, we want to go after and get all these cards for our PCs and our player sets for 20 cents, 29 cents, 30 cents, 50 cents, whatever. But if we have all these cards that aren't part of our PC, we want to be able to sell them for something, and we can't do that either. So, you know, it, like I said, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. It opens up a whole new world of collecting to ver- different collectors that wouldn't normally jump into it, but at the same time, there's that consequence of adding more, you know, flooding, the, I guess, flooding the market with available products. So, you know, that to me is kind of... A, I would say it's kind of a negative. Um, you know, if we didn't have the shipping problems we do with ComC C right now, I probably wouldn't be as bummed out about it, but that's, a that's probably another story unless I can use that as a worst of 2019.
1: <laughs> that could be, yeah, that's, that's definitely one is, is, uh, we could say the slow turnarounds on grading and also the slow turnaround on COMC. Um, Look, but know, like... so
0: that has oh. nothing to do with card releases. That has to do with the climate of the world we live in. You know, comp season, Washington State. They've been on lockdown for a long time. Right. They've had to dump all their employees, and they haven't been open. So by the time you get back to work, you can only have so many people, social distancing, all that kind of stuff. You don't have the number of people in your crew in your warehouse pulling card orders. I get right. it. I understand. I get it. But you also see companies like... I don't know. We'll go, with, we'll go with the only one off the top of my head I can think of that's big on singles, and that's Burbank.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Burbank's fulfilling orders. I mean, I don't know how many they're getting. I don't think it's probably the same level as Comcy is now, but at the same time, they're pretty big, and they've been around a long time, and they're on Beckett Marketplace, and most of the things you look up on there, there's, a, there's, there's one available from Burbank. Right. But their orders are being filled granted they're in California, but so, I mean, I, I mean, I certainly understand it and obviously comp hiring, they've been advertising it for a while. You got to live up there to, to get a job, but if you do, you can go work in their warehouse and uh, package up my order of 1000 cards that I'm Mm -hmm. waiting to ship to myself and get it to me before February.
1: (laughs) So, um, one thing I wanted to bring up, this one I've been kind of saving for the, the end, and I don't know if you had another one, good or bad, that you wanted to talk about. But No, I mean,
0: we haven't touched on a lot of releases, but again, well, there's probably idea not a lot to talk about.
1: The idea wasn't to talk about every release, because we're kind of going on the best and the worst. So sure. This, okay, so this year, this past year, 1920, Panini no longer had the license to make NHL hockey stickers that went to tops oh,
0: tops made
1: tops made uh <laughs> they made two sets they made a 630 sticker set and an album for that set you got five stickers per pack it's a pretty challenging set to put together um i'm down to just needing five stickers
2: wow. and
1: yeah well people gave me stickers and i traded with people and and stuff like that but um i i probably needed like 50 or 60 after i and i think after i bought three boxes i probably needed over a hundred and then with some trades and with some people just giving me stickers like oh here you go i don't want them just just take them um i'm down to five but i can't order them directly from tops like i could panini the one thing that was good about panini was you could order stickers from their website so if you only needed like if you won't needed the whole set, it's not cost effective to spend 30 cents a sticker. But now with tops, <clears throat> so two things. They had their normal sticker release, which was 630 stickers, which was a nice set. I like I said I'm five away from that. The other thing they did, so we talked about you being all in on something, and I was all in on their tops now stickers. They gave you a free sticker album. Every week they would issue a pack of nine stickers. They usually cost about, I want to say with tax, they were close to about eight fifty for the pack of nine. It was almost like a buck a sticker. And I thought, eh, this is kind of an expensive set to put together, a dollar a sticker and they're stickers. And stickers don't have much value. I mean, they do, but to the right people, they do. thats It's not the same as a card. So um, I... Decided to go all in on that every week or almost every week I bought the sticker packs. I forgot to buy them one week. um, And that messed me up because I wasn't able to get my three Chase incentive stickers, um, which I was able to trade for with somebody. They would also, every three weeks, they would do a retro designed sticker of of, of a, either a rookie or a popular player so there was like a jack eichel card designed to look like an 84 85 tops card there was a Which counter- some of
0: game. those i liked
1: oh they look great and you know what um I, I i had them all out on my table and i took a picture of them and i just thought man this is as close as we're going to get to like a tops heritage hockey set right You you right. look at like heritage baseball. And I go, oh man, those look so nice. I wish there was heritage hockey like this. You know what I mean? I would be all over that in like a second. Right, because no matter
0: how many throwbacks that you get from Upper Deck, they they don't have those classic designs.
1: Right, and I think about like even um, what was it um, was it Tops? They did a sticker um, I want to say it was for the Fall Expo last fall. Um. They did a Brett Hall sticker that looked like an 88, 89 Tops rookie of Brett Hall, but it was autographed and they were like a giveaway. And I'm just like, oh, that's so cool. Right. But all right. So I was all in on the Tops now and I was buying every pack. And, and if I didn't get the Chase sticker, I was buying those on eBay. And sometimes they would go for like 10 or 15 dollars. But I figured, well, that's fine. If I get it, cool. If not, I don't want to have to buy three packs because they were one in every three packs. Right. There are also gold versions of the stickers, which I didn't really care about. If I got them cool, if not, that's fine. Um, then the pandemic hit, and the NHL stopped. And so Tops stopped making its NHL Now stickers. Then when the playoffs started up, Tops Now started with their stickers again. However, what they did was they, um, instead of doing one pack a week, which seems pretty normal, easy to keep up with. they did one pack a day, and I gotta tell you there were um there were uh thirty six packs issued during the playoffs for two hundred and nine stickers total um at about an average of like six dollars a pack it was like two hundred and sixteen dollars but there were more for stickers for stickers, but no, there was one sticker pack that had like 15 stickers or 18 stickers. And it was like $25. I mean, some of them got really ridiculous, like $25 for a pack of stickers Um, because there was something like where they didn't like, they had like a bunch of games, like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then I don't know, whatever, maybe, you know, they, didn't have a sticker pack Monday. Like whenever there was like when the NHL had like no games, they didn't have a sticker pack. And when the NHL paused for a couple of days um, due to the uh, civil protests, um, they didn't do sticker packs then either. But anyway, so what's the, what's the big point I'm trying to get here? The big point was I was all in again. I said, all right, a, a pack a day is kind of a lot of, you know, this is stickers and whatever, but I like it. I want to finish this album. Well, They made more stickers than will fit in the album. And in fact, there were only about 107 slots left, excuse me, 108 slots left, plus three slots for the Stanley Cup final, like the three bonus stickers, and then two um, uh, throwback chase stickers, because there was a page for the chase stickers with the, the throwback designs. I never actually stuck those in the album. I'm like, I'll put these in at the end when I have all nine of them. I'll put them in. But right now I just liked having them loose and not stuck in the album. And I'm glad I didn't stick them in the album because now I don't think I'm going to. Because the 2019-20 tops Now hockey sticker album will forever be unfinished. What they could have done was they didn't have to make 209 stickers. Because some of these stickers were just so dumb. Okay, not every shutout needs to have a sticker. Not every win needs to have a sticker. I'm not talking about a goalie win. I'm, or I'm talking about, like, a win. Like, you know, team takes game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. Team wins game two of the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, I mean, yeah, of course, like, that super long overtime game, that deserves its own sticker. Um. Right certain players setting milestones. Yeah, okay. Although some of the milestones were like, okay, whatever. Like, they were like nice milestones, but they weren't like – they were either like records that got broken later on in those playoffs or they just – it just – everything had a sticker. And I don't – I just – the print on these is so small, so I don't know if I want to like read through them, but like some of them were just like so-and-so has, you know, makes here. Robin Leonard, earning fourth shutout of 2020 pro postseason. Okay. Shea Theodore, uh, opened scoring three times this postseason ties NHL record. So it's like, okay, ties open scoring. H- yeah, like the f- open like, scoring, first goal of the game.
0: Yeah, I know what that means, but really why is that Here. a stat? Why is that a stat that's kept?
1: Jake Ottinger makes NHL debut in Western Conference final.
0: Jake Ottinger.
1: The goalie for the uh one of the stars goalies.
0: I I know who he is. I'm just that's weird.
1: Uh, you know, Nikita Kucherov stuns Islanders with late game heroics, right? Like, um So you Andrew said Best, there was
0: you said there was a there's a bonus. There was a bonus card. Was it Rick bonus?
1: No, it wasn't oh. that kind of bonus. No, there was no bonus card for this. Uh, you know, Andre Vasilevsky improves to 6-0 in last six contests. Okay, that's great. He's on a six-game win streak, but it's like they were just looking for reasons to make stickers. And what yep. they really should have done was they could have said, All right, can we divide the playoffs up into 108? Plus three, 111. Yeah, they could have done those six weeks or whatever. That could have been, or no, that was all of August and all of September. So it was eight weeks. They could have figured out a way to do 111 stickers. You know, just pick the take the three bonus stickers and then just make that, either make that a bonus, make it an incentive for buying them all, and then um, do two more throwback stickers. And that could have been it, but they didn't do that. They just decided to do their own thing. They made these stickers to complete an album and then they didn't really, then they just decided, ah, oh, screw the album. We're just going to make stickers.
0: So, so from my standpoint, who is not a sticker person at right. all? Right. to me, it almost sounds like with all these extra stickers that are really superfluous and didn't really need to be made, right. It almost sounds like they were contractually obligated to just shove as much to, to hit a certain point. And they just did everything they could to get to that. You think that might be the case?
2: I don't know.
0: Like they had to put out so many by based off of whatever contract they had. And they realized, well, since the shutdown, we're this far behind. So let's just puke it all out and be done with it.
1: No, because the book had 315 spots. So they couldn't Uh really make 315 plus the nine Chase stickers plus the six bonus stickers, right? So they couldn't really go above that. It could have been, a, it, it almost felt like they never really raised the prices. So like, you know, but there were some packs that were like, you know, had print runs of like 140 or 150, right? Whereas at the beginning of the season, they were selling over a thousand packs a week. So obviously they're making more money for that. I still have stickers sure. I'm, I need to get, like, Even though I got the stickers from the uh, Stanley Cup Finals, I mean, I have the stickers with the Lightning celebrating. I still don't have some of the stickers in the middle of the series. Like, they still didn't print certain ones, like number 70 through 80 or whatever I'm still waiting on. So they didn't even ship an order. Like, when I started getting them, they would just kind of randomly arrive. Like, oh, okay, stickers 11 through 16, now I need to wait for one through 10 to arrive. You know what I mean? I don't know. I mean, it, it did seem like they were trying to crank out a, a sticker pack every day. Some of the packs mm-hmm. only had three stickers because maybe only one game happened. And then I would say, well, why not just put one sticker about that game? Right. So that was to me, that was a big failure. Because
0: kind of what I was getting at with that with my analogy of having to put out so many and being under the gun to do so, I'm kind of looking at the the whole thing with Tops 2020 right now. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they said in the beginning there was going to be so many of each one, and now here we are, and they're not close to that. And for them to release on the schedule that they initially intended to, they can't get them done in the year 2020. Mm-hmm. So tops 2020 is going to bleed over into 2021 and cuz there's there's just no way. There's no way they're going to be able to get them all out unless they just just dump them all at once. I don't know that they even have the artists works for everything that's still left. But that that's what the whole reason why I say they say in the beginning, well we're going to have this many of X product and it is what, you know, it's going to be this I just wondered if they were just obligated to put so many out and just decided to just puke them out at once Hmm. rather than let it last. I don't know. That's just my it's one theory, I guess I have. It's probably wrong.
1: Well, I mean, and it it all wasn't bad. I mean, there were some stuff that we didn't like and there was some stuff that we did like and there was a lot of stuff that people liked and there's always going to be things that people don't like. So as we wrap up this episode, Tim, is there anything else you'd like to add?
0: I would like to throw my name in the hat for future card designer for whatever company would like to bring me on. And I will bring
1: you on as a card designer.
0: Yes. And I will show you what cards to make that will sell and make you millions of dollars.
1: Okay. Well That sounds like an offer that uh, no reasonable card company would accept. Uh-
0: <laughs> not. Why would they? I'm too expensive for them anyway.
1: Okay, well, thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. Uh, extra special thanks if you actually made it to the end of this two-hour long episode. Uh, As always, if you like this podcast, please like and subscribe. Tell your friends. If you want to support the show, please purchase a shirt over at shop.puckjunk.com. And uh, definitely check out the expo coming up. Sportcardexpo.com. Register for a free admission or a paid admission and definitely stop by the Puck Junk booth. We will be there.
0: For more hockey goodness,
2: follow us on Twitter at Puck Junk.